Discasters, how are you all doing? Uh, it is a wonderfully wet uh, Sunday afternoon uh, here in Vancouver. Um, coming at you from my new apartment. Yay! Uh, there's been a lot of updates, a uh, lot of stuff going on uh, behind the scenes here at Discast. Uh, but I'm committed. I'm still wanting to come come at y'all with some fun Disney stuff, some uh, some fun uh, Disney content uh, that we all love to uh, hear about. <laughs> so, as we normally like to do, of course, top of the show. So what I'm going to be bringing you is some very simple headlines here. Uh, one of the major things that has happened recently is, of course, uh, Disney Plus Day. Uh, so Disney Plus Day happened on the 12th. And with it, they came some some brand new announcements and like some really good announcements actually uh, of upcoming content, upcoming um, uh, both regular like Pixar content, some Marvel content. Uh, so yeah, it's looking to be some really really good stuff. Um, let's see if I can get you some. Uh, of course, some quick uh, quick snippets here. Uh, there was announcement of the Obi-Wan Kenobi series, uh, which will actually have a... Apparently, one of the big things is that we're going to have our good friend Obi-Wan actually fight Darth Vader again, so that'll be interesting. Um, some, uh, some announcements from Marvel, of course. Uh, a lot of the uh, new series have had some first looks like Moon Knight, She-Hulk, the Miss Marvel uh, series, all look really, really good. Uh, Moonlight or Moonlight, Moon Knight looks very interesting. Uh, looks like it's really going to be do a good job of exploring the, the the duality of the character. She-Hulk, I'm really excited for because you know you got yourself the badass lawyer uh, who transforms and decides to just kind of maintain that form if I remember directly from the comics. Uh, in the little snippet that we saw, we see uh, what the MCU is calling Smart Hulk, but uh, uh, fans of the comics know as Professor Hulk. Uh, it's personally my favorite version of the Hulk, but, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm maybe biased. Uh, and, of course, the Miss Marvel series. The Miss Marvel series is, of course, going to follow Kamala Khan, who is uh, one of the major... Uh, uh, players in the MCU uh, as of recently. Uh, she is uh, a Muslim American, so that's going to be really cool. So we've got another really, really good, positive uh, person of color coming forward. And yeah, so some stuff from Marvel from there. Uh, of course, a new Spider-Man animated series. I mean, apparently Spider-Man Freshman Year is going to take place um, before Peter be got into the MCU. So like before he be, be kind of became Spider-Man. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, stylistically, it's apparently going to be very similar to his early comic book stuff, but I don't know. I mean, I love Spider-Man, but at the same time, like, I may be a bit over this early part of him. I want to really, I, I'd much rather explore, like, this stuff later, like, when he gets into college and as he goes further and further on, you know, uh, exploring as he becomes more of an adult, you know, him tr really truly trying to battle between his dual life of Spider-Man and Peter Parker you know that's what really is interesting about the character I'm kind of over him being in high school I'm kind of done with that but we'll see hopefully it you know 
goes well, I guess. Uh, Tom Holland is not going to be returning as Spider-Man. Uh, I believe they were looking at the the act the voice actor who did him in the What If series. They merely did a good job. But again, I mean, I don't know. I'm kind of over this early version of Spider-Man, personally. Uh, Agatha Harkness is getting her own series. This we knew. We knew this was coming. Like, we knew it. Agatha, like, it's, it's going to be called Agatha House of Harkness. Um, again, like... The second the character took off the way that she did, we knew she was going to get her own series. We knew Disney wasn't going to sit on that. Like, come on. <laughs> uh, and then from there, uh, of course, uh, Marvel Zombies is going to be a thing. I'm excited about the animated series of Marvel Zombies because Marvel Zombies was one of the most iconic, uh, just iconic uh, kind of what-if stories of the Marvel Universe. Uh, it ended up becoming this big, big, big uh, part of it. Uh of course, Secret Invasion has been confirmed. Again, we we knew that was we knew that was happening, um, but it is nice to see something concrete of it, which I really like. Uh, we got a glimpse of Nick Fury, who is not wearing his eye patch. Surprise, surprise! What's going to happen there? We don't know. I don't know. Maybe he got like a new eye or something. I don't know. Um, and of course, the announcement of X Men ninety seven, X Men ninety seven coming back. Now the like. The 90s version of the X-Men series uh, is probably the best version of the X-Men that we have seen probably in any version outside of the comics. That's including the movies. I mean, my problem with the X-Men in terms of other television and even the film versions is I feel like they do too much in focusing on their powers and not enough of a job of really exploring their characters because the purpose of the X-Men when Stanley started them was to really explore and and to showcase how difficult it was to live as an othered person in the 80s and and around that time you know like that's why the X-Men has been such a big anchor for so many queer people that's why the queers love the x-men because we see ourselves in them we see ourselves as these people who live with these uh abilities and with these aspects of their character that they can't help they can't they can't do anything about it that's just how they are right and so we as queer people live the exact same way and so that's why the x-men has been such a big part of queer lives really and x-men 97 or at least the 90s version of the x-men's of the X-Men did a good job of that, I think, of exploring, yeah, showcasing their abilities and powers and, you know, being the X-Men, but also their interpersonal relationships as well. And I think that's what's really been missing from the X-Men. And hopefully when the X-Men finally show up in the MCU, which is inevitable considering now that Disney owns Fox and owns the X-Men, we're hoping that we're going to see a lot more of that. So, yeah, so quite hopeful for that. Uh, of course, there's going to be a new Groot series called I Am Groot. It's another animated series. You know, I'm, why not? I mean, what the hell? <laughs> uh, Ironheart, which I'm very excited for, uh, is going to be featuring uh, the new, uh, the like a new version of Iron Man, who is a, uh, a young, a young black girl who is a young genius and ends up kind of taking over as the Iron Man, but known as Ironheart. Uh, and I believe that's the majority of them. I already talked about Secret Invasion. I'm, I'm looking at a list here. 
Uh, yeah, and then there's one called Echo that I'm not super certain of. I'm not quite sure what that's about. I gotta look into that more. Um, yeah, uh, Baymax is apparently getting his own series, which I think is kind of cute. Uh, there was an announcement of Pixar's first ever um, long-form uh, Disney Plus series, an original series called Cars on the Road. Uh, apparently, it's going to feature basically just like a road trip between Mater and uh, Lightning McQueen. And, uh, I mean, sure. Why the hell not? <laughs> uh, apparently, a new Princess and the Frog series following Tiana as the newly crowned Princess of Maldonia. So we're going to get some uh, uh, some good stuff from that, which I'm excited for. We love Tiana. Tiana's, you know, Tiana's great. Who doesn't love Tiana? Uh, Zootopia is getting a new short form series in 2022. The announcement of the uh, the Beatles series. Uh, there's, a, there's a documentary uh, featuring the Beatles that Peter Jackson has been kind of sitting on for a while and he finally is uh getting it together and releasing it it's going to be a three-part series called the beatles get back which is basically uh supposed to be a documentary that was filmed during the production of the album get back so as a beatles fan i'm very intrigued about that because the this latter part or this very this ending part of the beatles career was always very contentious and it's always like you know how did things happen how did they and why did they break up kind of thing, right? So it's going to be, and I'm excited for that. Uh, Andy Samberg and John Mulaney are going to be part of the Chippendale Rescue Rangers uh, revival, which I'm excited for. Uh, because if it's uh, if it's anything like the DuckTales reboot, then I'm excited for it. Because the DuckTales reboot was phenomenal. Super good. And these are two really good actors. They know each other really well. They play out really well off each other. So I'm... I'm looking forward to that. Of course, Hocus Pocus 2 is officially, officially uh, in production. Uh, they have begun filming. There are, there are already pictures of the set, so that's going to be interesting. I'm excited about that. Live-action Pinocchio gets a fall 2022 release. Um, apparently, there's a new Ice Age movie, which admittedly I'm kind of meh about. So, I don't know. Uh the sequel to Enchanted, which is a wonderful live-action uh, live kind of Disney princess movie, uh, is getting its sequel called Disenchanted, which will be released in 2022. Uh, Willow is getting its own series. Uh, Warwick Davis is coming back to reprise his role as the uh, titular little magic caster, which is going to be really exciting. Uh, the Proud Family is coming back. Uh, we love that. And uh, the Spiderwick Chronicles live action series, that'll be interesting. That's another going to be, uh, it's going to be another very interesting kind of uh, live action um, book series coming, uh, coming to TV. Those seem to be like the major announcements in regards to Disney Plus releases, uh, at least in the future. Uh, now, of course, we can't talk about the, like one of the big ones, which has of course been the Buzz Lightyear series like what <laughs> we're getting another Buzz Lightyear series but it looks like this is going to be a little bit different than what than uh, Buzz Lightyear Star Command or Buzz Lightyear of Star Command I think is what it was called uh, the animated show that was done a while ago this looks like it's going to be like much more I don't want to say intense intense isn't the right word uh, a much more serious vibe perhaps I don't know it's really hard to kind of 
you know, determine that, but I'm excited for it. So that'll be fun. So that's just a small snippet really of what's been going on. Like there's been so much going on with Disney. Uh, they also just recently did a new little uh, special holiday uh, celebration in Disneyland. Uh, there's still there's some questions to whether or not the actual thing is worth it. I think we touched on it earlier, like a couple months back, uh, Fairleth and I. Um, so I'll get back to you on that one uh, after I do a little bit more digging on that. But uh, just like the this little holiday party that was featured in Disneyland itself, as opposed to California Adventure, like uh, Oogie's Bash was. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. Um, hoping it's, I'm hoping it was good because we, like we were talking about how financially, whether or not it was worth it to put to pour in the amount of money that it costed for the ticket, uh, because the amount of money that it costed for Oogie's Bash ended up really, really worth it, you know, just with the amount of candy that you got, but also the meet and greets and the character sightings that you got to see and do and everything, all of that, uh, the, the cost of the ticket was ultimately worth it. As opposed to this Christmas one, which when we were kind of analyzing it, really didn't seem like it really was. So we'll take a look. I'll take a look. Uh, I'll watch some vlogs and do some research on that and come back at you with that. So now I'm going to come into the main event. Now we're going to talk about 101 Dalmatians, the live action version. Now my initial thoughts of this were honestly good i actually really liked this movie i thought it was fun i thought it what it did a good job of staying true to the original with some of uh the references that it made plus it did a good job of doing its own original thing which i thought was great uh and i think a lot of that is due to just the fact that it did a good job of balancing the human side of the film with the animal side of the film now with the animated version the majority of the plot came from the animals almost all of it was from the animals point of view now the live action version because the animals can't talk they still did a good job of giving them good good screen time and you know doing what they could to convey uh emotion you know they did a little, the, the tiniest little bit of some cgi expression which i thought was a little funky but all in all it didn't take me out of the movie I thought it was pretty okay. Uh, they did a lot more expansion of the human characters in terms of a lot more character development and a lot more character work, but that's because they could, because the because the human characters are able to be more established characters, uh, especially with uh, Roger and, and Anita. You know, you get a lot more character motivation out of them. Uh, so they they changed a couple things like for example uh they changed the fact that roger is no longer a musician but in fact he's a video game developer now this movie uh was released in the mid 90s and so video games were very much on the rise at that point uh especially like with home consoles and things uh yeah i know we had like the n64 or not the n64 uh like we had like the old nintendo and sega systems but this was coming into when we, we were starting to get like things like the N64 and the original PlayStation and, uh, and, and things like that, and uh, further with, with Sega. And so, uh, and so I think it was a good choice for them to do that because it was a little more uh, relatable, I suppose. And uh, yeah, you could, you, it made more sense, I think, for Roger to be a video game developer. Uh, Anita was 
kind of switched from being Corella's college friend to being a or to being uh, Corella's employee. Uh, Corella, of course, be, uh, being further established within the fashion industry, uh, and then Anita being one of the designers. Now, the thing about this movie, I think, is that some a lot of aspects of this movie have kind of taken off and become really, really well-established canon. Like, for example, the fact that we associate Cruella with fashion. In the animated version, all we really know about her in terms of her character is that she just really, really likes fur and likes high fashion. I mean, like, even then the high fashion thing isn't super explained. But the fact that we she works in fashion in this live-action version is something that we've taken away and kind of established to be really, really solid canon. Like, you go to the parks and you speak to the Cruella face character, or I should say you speak to Cruella herself, you can talk to her about fashion because that's the main thing that's stuck with it. That's the main thing that's stuck with her. So I think that's very interesting is that like this movie, while not necessarily not being the original, has done a good job of establishing things that we've anchored to, right? So I think that's I think that's really cool. Uh, yeah, now, now in terms of the actual film and in terms of like the, the, the beats and everything, it follows a lot of the same thing. Uh, you know, uh, Cruella finds out that... Uh, or no, let, actually, let's start from the beginning. So we have Roger, who's a single guy, who's focused on his work, who wants to develop a good game. That's all he really wants to do. That's all he focuses on. And then he meets Anita, who, again, is working for Cruella. Now, uh, I really like that they that they solidified this, this relationship between Anita and Cruella uh, and kind of made it, I guess, make more sense uh, on screen rather than us just kind of having to accept the fact that she just knows her from college kind of thing so we see anita working uh working on some stuff uh in uh in the workroom i guess is what it is i suppose it's kind of like a workroom in like cruella's uh, i guess in the, the house of deville i suppose i should say and then cruella who is played by the incomparable Glenn Close who does a phenomenal job of this in this movie she does such a damn good job she is so good she is iconic she the way she does the character is just amazing and like you are definitely like whole you're you're you are scared of her <laughs> she's not a likable person she's very very scary and I think Glenn Close does a phenomenal job of doing that so she arrives at the office and she sees the designs that Anita's working on and finds that one of the designs Anita had worked on the exact same except instead of having instead of having the print or, or the the fabric be done in stripes which is apparently what they're doing for that season she did the exact same one but in spots and so that's where she sees the spots because at this point we see that uh Corella has been obsessed still has this obsession with fur but is obsessed with stripes, specifically the pattern of stripes. So much so that it has been established that a Siberian tiger from the zoo, uh, a very rare white Siberian tiger, has been found to be mutilated, like skinned. Uh, that was established at like the beginning of the film uh, through a news broadcast, through you know news exposition and stuff like that. Uh, but then she sees the spots and so she brings Anita into her office and like speaks to her and like kind of, uh, I want to say tries to woo her in some degree. Uh, basically just kind of like is fawning over her to a degree, which I think is interesting. 
because of course she's obsessed with spots and she sees that Anita oh has a Dalmatian and stuff and so she tries to befriend her or whatever and then uh, yeah we see a little bit of Cruella's madness for lack of a better phrase like the way she says like it uh, after uh, after adding a cape onto uh, Anita's drawing of the spot of the spotted dress says like uh, it'd be like I'm wearing your dogs and then goes into like a giant cackle and we're like oh this lady is crazy <laughs> like she's fucking nuts <laughs> so uh, so yeah and then afterwards uh, Roger just comes from a video game meeting where he's uh, showcasing uh, I suppose a beta version of his video game to uh, to this kid who apparently is able to determine successful video games or something um, but he's basically coming from like a, a, a video game beta and then they both happen to leave at the same time and they're both and they both pass through the park and then of course Pongo sees Perdita and basically falls in love and then like pulls Roger on like this crazy uh, this like crazy trip through London until they end up at the park uh, and then a little bit of a bait-and-switch kind of happens where uh, uh, Roger sees Perdita thinks it's Pongo takes Perdita has a little meet cute with Anita who beats him with her bag full of bricks question mark it's very interesting apparently she's repaving her garden and is just picking up loose bricks because why not I guess maybe because like uh, London just has a bunch of I, I mean I know that London has like cobblestone streets and stuff but like just you're just gonna go ahead and pick up a loose brick from the sidewalk like isn't that dangerous anyway so they have their little meet cute it's adorable and then uh, they uh, both and at some point end up in the pond just like in the movie and then they go to one of their houses it's never determined whose house they go to i'm going to assume they go to rogers because i think roger is going to be the one who's like all chivalrous and be like come back to my place and we'll rest and clean up and blah 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 anyway and then it's all cute and then they and roger basically proposes to her on the spot which is you know weird so i'm just going to assume that they dated for a while like for a long while before they finally got married because that would make more sense and then uh, at some point, uh, Cruella finds out that uh, Anita got married and is grumpy about it because, of course, Cruella wanted to keep Anita, but Anita would say, oh, no, I never leave uh, except for, like, I don't know, marriage or something. And then I suppose uh, Cruella is very anti-marriage and stuff, and so she's kind of weirdly personally offended that Anita decided to fall in love and get married, you know? God... God forbid she fall in love, I guess. I don't know. Uh, and then, yeah. And so after finding out, or after coming to see Anita, uh, finds out that, find or because of the fact that she found out that she was married, she kind of comes, comes to the house, tries to do a bunch of demasculating of Roger, calling him the wrong name and basically dismissing him and everything. Finds out that the pup, that, uh, Pongo and Perdita are expecting puppies, and that's when she gets excited. She kind of dismisses the fact that she has that she's having a baby as well because Anita is pregnant, but is only interested in the puppies because she knows that the puppies have very fine fur, which is much nicer than the coarse fur that Dalmatians have when they get older. So she basically says, like, let me know when they arrive, 
uh, let me know when the when the puppies arrive and I'll be back by then. Uh, again, kind of just reminding us the fact that she is in fact batshit crazy. Uh, uh, so some time passes and then of course the puppies do arrive. We have the we have the sequ uh, the sequence like in the animated version where they come to fifteen puppies and then unfortunately one of them seems to uh, not survive. But then Roger kind of rubs it back to life because he's magic, I guess. I don't know. I mean, the thing about this is that like this this kind of this kind of shit happens in real life. It's really sad, but not all of the babies of a litter, whether it's dogs or cats, don't always survive. Uh, whether or not they just they they die from I don't know stillbirth or however or sometimes the parent just doesn't or the, the parent will sometimes recognize when the kid is kind of a runt or is unable to will not survive no matter what and so the parent will actually kill the child will kill the baby it's sad but it's it's nature it's just it's what happens and it sucks but this is a happy version of it because of course the puppy survives and then of course is named lucky because that's what happened in the animated version that's what's happening in the live action version so it's all great now cruella had sent horace and jasper ahead of ahead to go and see when the puppies had arrived uh now horace and jasper here are played by two I, I believe they are quite well known. Um, but uh, Jasper is played by Hugh Laurie, who is very well known amongst British audiences and perhaps to some Western audiences as well. Uh, I believe one of Hugh Laurie's like, major things here in the West was as House on House MD. Uh, and then Horace is played by Mark Williams, whom we all know as Arthur Weasley from the Harry Potter films. Uh, so that's, you know. That was, it was really cool kind of seeing those two characters uh, or two actors I should say uh, featured in these kind of villainous roles when I know Hugh Laurie very a lot from the old show that he used to have with Stephen Fry uh, what is it uh, a bit of Fry and Laurie so I know him primarily kind of as a comedic actor he's super funny and so it was very fun to kind of see him as this as this villain him both, both him and uh, Mark Williams whom we all know as you know us, I suppose us millennials know as the loving or the muggle loving uh, father of the patriarch of the Weasley family. And so they see the puppies arrive. They inform Cruella, and then uh, Cruella very quickly arrives, sees that the puppies are brand new. They're all white. They don't have their spots yet because, of course, they don't. The spots don't come in until later, uh, which she was not too happy to hear but of course still offered 7500 pounds uh to buy the puppies now here's the thing 7500 pounds sterling today according to google is twelve thousand six hundred and twenty seven dollars and 68 cents that's today i'm sure back then in the mid 90s it was not nearly that much but can you imagine? That's a buttload of money. Like, wow. But the darlings say no because they don't want they don't want to separate the mother from the puppies. And now, whether that's a good decision or not, I'm not sure. But the fact of the matter is, is doing it that early is not okay because the puppies, 
uh, the mother still needs to be with the puppies to nurse them, to help them grow still, right? There's still that bond. They're not quite ready to leave until, like, not for a while, which is when, generally, when when uh, breeders will be okay to separate uh, the puppies like that. Now, the, them sticking to their guns, I think, is good, but... I mean, knowing us as the audience, knowing that she obviously wants them because she wants to then kill them and skin them, there's no way you're going to be getting my puppies for that much. I don't care how much you're paying me because it's just unethical. Like, what you're doing is just awful and evil and gross. But if this were a normal person asking to buy the puppies, then that'd be a different story. And I wonder whether or not that's the case here, too. I mean, I don't know. I think it's just that they just wanted to stick to the guns to be like, look... We didn't plan for them to have puppies, but you know what? We're still going to keep them because we want them to be a family. And maybe it's because they're feeling empathetic about the fact that Anita is also pregnant. I don't know. Either way, they say no. Cruella throws a fit. She fires Anita and then storms out of the house. Shortly thereafter, uh, Cruella, of course, does still send Horace and Jasper to go and steal the puppies. Which, you know, duh, because she's going to steal them regardless because she's a terrible person. And they come to the door, and it's very, like, I've always thought that Jasper's character in this film was very, very funny. He's very, like, I don't want to say dote. Doting's not the right word to Cruella, but he's very, like, he's very invested in impressing her. Like, he's very proper. He's very, like, official, I guess is the word. I mean, the way that he speaks to her is so very different than the way that he speaks to Horace and the way that he speaks to anybody really like even to Skinner the guy that uh, who is a new character in this film but is the guy that is officially hired to do the actual skinning himself to do the actual skinning hence hence his name is Skinner uh, so he's the guy that Cruella has kind of hired to be the official skin skinning guy um, like earlier in the film they do they do a scene where they show Horace and Jasper pick up the the pelt of the Siberian tiger uh, and take it to Cruella. Uh, they pick it up from Skinner's workshop, uh, who has like a whole freaking like tool set and everything. It's kind of kind of scary and gross, actually. <clears throat> anyway, so they arrive at the house to steal the puppies. They successfully steal the puppies. Uh, Nanny puts up a hell of a fight. She's actually a pretty damn good fight, really. But unfortunately, they end up taking the puppies and they leave. Now, this is an interesting thing because I thought this was a really cool thing that they did, that they, because of course the animals can't talk, they can't converse with each other, right? So what they did was they did the thing that they did in the animated film, which is they do the they do a version of the Twilight Bark in which they, they have the dogs communicate in that way, which I thought was really, really cool. So after they find out that the puppies are stolen, uh, Pongo kind of goes to the window and just barks into the distance. Again, doing the same thing that they did with the Twilight Bark kind of thing. And then the news ends up spreading and spreading and spreading until it gets to this dog. Uh, I can't remember the breed, but he witnesses everything. He kind of sees everything and he follows them to the to the DeVille estate, the abandoned DeVille estate, uh, and so sees what happened. And then that's when he... or And a bunch of animals also hear it too. I guess the Twilight Bark is also okay for other animals i mean that was kind of established too in the animated version when they had the cat be able to understand everything too so and the horse so i guess i'm okay with this 
So, like, you got squirrels and other woodland animals who kind of get in on it. And then, like, while they're at the estate, like, uh, like all these animals and everything try and sabotage the truck, which I thought was very funny. Um, but then this dog comes in, sees the puppies, and helps them to escape. Now, they do... So, they do the dog instead of a cat in the live-action version. And I'm kind of okay with that. I really don't... I'm not married to the fact that it has to be a cat that helps them escape. It's one of those things where it's... Okay, sure. They changed it. It's not a big deal. They still have a reference to the colonel, who's the the old sheepdog, which I think is very fun. Uh, and yeah, so there's some so fun hilarity ensues when the puppies are escaping. At this point, Pongo and Perdita have already left the house. They they're already on their way over to find the to find the puppies and everything. Um, and yeah, and so there's like fun slapstick comedy. People, you know. Horace and Jasper are slipping all over the place. They're falling downstairs. They're, uh, uh, Horace at one point falls into the pond outside of the estate, and then like because he's covered in water, he like freezes and uh, like in a frozen state. So there's like a bunch of little bit of physical comedy here at this point, which I thought was pretty good. And uh, yeah, and um, the two of them do a good job of that. Uh, so that was good. And then from there, you have, you know, this grand escape. You have the grand escape of the puppies. And then Corella arrives at the estate, finds out that they lost the puppies. And so, of course, she's pissed. So she takes matters into her own hands. So she, she starts to track them down. She finds, you know, uh, the, the paw prints in the snow and everything and tracks them down. The puppies do a good job of doing their hiding until they eventually get to a barn where Perdita and Pongo find them. So that's when the big reunion happens. It's all very cute. It's all very heartwarming. It's adorable. But then Corella shows up, and she knows that they're there because she saw the she saw the the paw prints and everything. So she knows where they are. She knows where everyone is. So inside, she's looking around, you know, and there's st and this, so there's still some more physical comedy regarding the animal. She falls into like a pile of mud. She falls into she falls into animal shit. She gets you know a bunch of hay fall on her. A pig falls on her. A really really big pig, by the way. <laughs> she ends up in like a tar vat i think i don't know it's like a big vat of i don't know tar or molasses or something like that i don't know some big goopy stuff she finds herself in uh and then eventually gets like knocked out of the barn by a horse uh into a big mud pit because there's i say mud pit and not a shit pile because there's pigs in it and the pigs are kind of going around doing their own thing and i and as you know, and as much as we know that pigs are, you know, dirty little animals, I don't think they'd be okay just kind of strolling around in a bunch of their own shit. So, from there, uh, it's been established that, uh, it's been established that Roger and Anita kind of figure out who is the one that stole them. And of course it's Corella. They figure out it's, of course it's Corella, because who the fuck else can it be? And then they discover, or they, they uh, I should say, they figure out why. And they figure out that it's because Corella wants to skin them and turn them into a coat. And so, of course, they call the police, and the police are, like, on a big manhunt. There's a warrant for her arrest. They go to her apartment. They find the, uh, the Siberian tiger skin. So, you know, there's even more cause and everything. So we know she's going to get arrested. But it's a matter of finding her. And so they end up tracking her down to this barn they then arrest her now here's the crazy thing i don't know if i fully believe that that the london police would put this much investment in finding the puppies i mean i already don't have a whole lot of faith in the police 
as it is. But maybe that's just here. Maybe the British police are, I don't know, more competent. I don't know. I don't know what it's like over there. But hopefully it's better. <laughs> you know? So they eventually find her at the barn. Of course, they tell her there's a warrant for her arrest. She tries to pull up. She's like, oh, uh, um, is there a problem, officer? You know, she tries to play it off. But of course, she, she fucking knows. She's done. She's arrested. Everyone's arrested. Uh, Skinner, because of the skinning thing, uh, because he ended up going to the house on Corella's orders to try and skin the puppies because she didn't trust Horace and Jasper to do it because, duh. So he gets caught at the house. Horace and Jasper get caught uh, because their vehicle basically explodes. And so they get found by the cops. They actually kind of just, like, let themselves get arrested. It's actually quite funny because they're like, you know what? Fuck it, we're done. And so they get arrested. And so Corella is put into the truck with them. Uh, now, there's a funny moment in the film when we establish, you know, Cru there's a shot where we establish Cruella's purse, which I thought was interesting. It's completely unnecessary, except for the fact that we see that this purse is black with a white stripe. And then while she's at the while she's at the Davila estate, we see a skunk go into the car and kind of plop itself down where the purse was. So it's a little bit of um, uh, Chekhov's gun a little bit, where they establish the purse, they establish the look of the purse. And then we see that the purse has been replaced by the skunk. And so when she's in the the vehicle with the other three, you know, uh, telling them off, you know, saying that they're all stupid and everything, she grabs her purse, or what she thinks is her purse, uh, to try and grab a cigarette. She lifts up the tail, thinking it's the flap of the, of the purse, and there's the there's the butthole of the skunk. And that's when they're like, oh, fuck. And then it sprays. Now it sprays them, it sprays Cruella and Skinner, who's to her right, directly in the face. I don't know if you've ever come across a skunk or if you've ever been sprayed by a skunk. It is not pleasant. It is not a pleasant experience. And so to have it done to you directly in the face, and in Cruella's case, with an open mouth, it's not fun. And so panic ensues. Panic ensues in the truck. They're all getting sprayed by the skunk. It's awful and honestly, part of me wants to be sympathetic because dear god that's awful but another part of me is like yeah i feel like it kind of deserved it <laughs> so and then uh from there of course they're all still looking for all the puppies but of course the puppies are on their vast mission they're on their journey home and it's adorable and they see the the sea of dogs coming at them from here in the countryside and it's all very, very sweet and happy. And then they take the dogs, they count them. There's, of course, 90. Uh, there is, they count 100 because Lucky just kind of lagged behind uh, and was escorted by the original dog that found them. And so then they count 91. And then there's the tagline. It's like, we have 100, ca Captain, we have 101 Dalmatians. There's the tagline. Boom. And then they all end up back at Roger and Anita's flat. And so they see the dogs, they're all happy to see their dogs, they're all happy to know that the puppies are safe, but then they're told, your puppies were the only ones with tags. All the other puppies, none of them have been uh, have been called in as missing. So unless, we get, unless they have a home, they're all gonna be going to the pound. Now for me, that's heartbreaking because all those poor little puppies 
all at the pound. I mean, maybe they'd get adopted because they're puppies, but still, I mean, the pound is very, very sad. It's a sad place for dogs. It's a sad place for dogs. So the fact that Anita was like, we can take them. Oh no, sorry. Roger says we can take them. And then Anita, you know, quite rightfully so, is like, we don't have room because they don't. And then Roger's like, oh, we'll get a bigger place. And it's like, yeah, sure. Let's just plan to get a bigger place. You know, you haven't even sold a game yet. Anita's fired. Anita doesn't even have a damn job. So like, it's, it's so very movie. Like it's so very film for them to do that. Just be like, oh, it's fine. We'll get a bigger place. It's all good. It's like on what income on what income? It's crazy. It's just so funny to me. Yeah, but they decide to take the dogs because they're not heartless people. Uh, I, I mean, personally, what I probably would have done is I would have like taken them in and then because at that point, I think it would have been uh, a late, uh, late enough time, uh, I would have put the puppies up for sale and been like, hey, Dalmatians for sale. Come buy one, you know, maybe even sell them for under the under price because, you know, when you have... 101 dogs I feel like you can afford to sell them for slightly under market price you know I feel like you'll get your money back anyway but then from there Roger gets an idea he gets an idea he sees a newspaper clipping uh, that Corella has been arrested now here's the crazy thing is that the night before Corella was discovered and then literally the morning after less than like I don't know six hours the newspaper comes up with a photo of Cruella from the pig pen? Like, British news works fast, apparently. <laughs> to be the morning headline like that? To have it printed? Anyway. And so then Roger gets an idea. So he gets the idea to use Cruella as the villain of the video game. So he takes it back to the development people, or to the, to be, to the people to sell it. Same kid that played it before is now playing it. And so, and then boom. He sees the villain, he plays it, he likes it, which means, which is good news for Roger, which is good news uh, for, I guess, his business, because now that the video game is going to sell, it's going to sell well, and so, yeah. Now, I know people within the video game industry, specifically indie game industry, to have one person doing this entire thing on his own is crazy. Like, programming, developing sound design there's no way he did all that on his own there's no way but again the magic of movies like th th there's no possible way he would have done that video game entirely by himself he would have had to outsource at least some things but regardless he did, what he did and it turned out well the we believe that the video game was a success because fast forward a year i think it was I think they say yeah like a year later uh they have a wonderful house a really like a nice big what looks like a good solid british estate that they painted to look like it has spots like who has that kind of time and disposable income just to be like i'm gonna hire some painters to paint my house to look like a dalmatian i mean that's pretty wild but they did it and so they have their big estate they have all the other dogs and then all the other dogs mated with the other dogs and so it ended up fine everyone came out of it okay now the i think the positive thing is this is the fact that because it was just the 15 puppies like so it's 17 right 
101 minus 17, you have uh, something like 84, 84 other puppies, I think, if my math is right. So the chances of their, like, the chances of, like, incest occurring amongst the dogs, I mean, that kind of stuff already happens with purebreds. Like, purebreds, they try and do that all the time, and it never turns out well. But the fact that they had, like, 84 other dogs to work with, effectively, I think was to their benefit because then they can they can still keep the, the breeds or the, the puppies more or less pure because they're all still Dalmatians. So, and then they don't have to worry about any of the issues that come potentially with things like incest and stuff like that. So, again, if I were them, I would then, like, I would start looking at selling some of these dogs they could make a really really good amount of money but you know it's fine uh i watched a video uh on this youtube channel called film theory where they actually analyze how much it would cost to support the amount of dogs that they had i'll link that video um because it was quite fascinating and they do a really good job um it's the same people, it's the same guys behind like game theory and I think uh, movie theory is the other one. So it's like a, they have like, they have like uh, three branches of their theory channel thing. Um, but they do a really good job of it. Uh, so I'm going to link the video of that to the show notes of this episode so that y'all can take a look at it as well. Because uh, it's bonkers. Like it's literally into that, like the hundreds of thousands of dollars uh, that they would have to just pay in order to sustain these dogs like with food and and care like going to the vet for normal checkups and stuff like that so yeah but all in all honestly i think this movie did a really really good job i think it's great it's fun uh it's engaging it's silly and it's you know it's funny i giggled which is great so all in all yeah i would really really recommend this movie like it's it's good it's a good job or it, it's a good job it did it did a good job uh some quick little bits uh or like some production stuff uh the so this was done by both well disney pictures and uh great oaks entertainment uh now great oaks was a production company that is owned by the very incomparable john hughes who did the screenplay for this movie what like John freaking Hughes produced this movie. Like, what the hell? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Like, it, it's funny because, like, John Hughes did the movie, but it doesn't feel like a John Hughes movie, if that makes sense. Because, like, when you think John Hughes, you think, you know, like, The Breakfast Club and National Lampoon and Ferris Bueller, Pretty in Pink, you know, like, those movies. But you never think about this movie or Beethoven or Home Alone. Like, I don't know. It's just... It feels it doesn't feel like a John Hughes movie, but when I but the fact that John Hughes did the screenplay also makes sense to me. You know what I mean? Anyway, the budget was sixty-seven million dollars. Uh, the box office made three hundred and twenty point seven million dollars. So needless to say, they succeeded in making their money back. Um, yeah, it's it's a good movie. The cast is great. Um, if you like dogs, it's a good it's it's good with dogs. Um, it was the sixth highest grossing film of 1996. Uh, Glenn Close was nominated for the Golden Globe for Best Actress for this movie. Uh, and the film was nominated for a BAFTA for Best Makeup and Hair. Because, I mean, like, like Cruella's hair. Iconic. It's great. 
Uh, and it's actually really good in terms of like with like Cruella's fashions, I think are also really, really nice. Like Cruella's costume design is very fun. Uh, so yeah, like all in all a good movie. I think it's great. Uh, unfortunately, like apparently there's some minor controversy in terms of like, uh, with animal rights organizations because they protested the film's release saying that Dalmatian sales shot up after the premiere. Uh, fueled by impulsive purchases of puppies and stuff. Now, that makes sense. I don't necessarily think that's the movie's fault. Because, like, that kind of stuff happens with other movies all the time. Kids look at a thing, they want it, and so their parents go and buy it for them. Like, it's as far as I'm concerned, that's the parents' fault. That's not the movie's fault. Like, if I were a parent and my kid was like, oh my god, I want a Dalmatian now, I want a Dalmatian, I'm like, well, well okay but here's the fact of dalmatians they are incredibly uh they're incredibly frustrating dogs like they're they require so much care they're not just like a golden retriever or they're not like you know a pit bull they're they're very very demanding and it sucks because then they do it and then after their past puppyhood then they're like okay no that's it we're done with this dog that's just a problem with humans in general like, humans do that all the time. It happens all the time at Christmas. Like, all the time. Parents go and buy pets, like, puppies for their for their kids. Six, nine months down the line, they're no longer puppies. They dump the dogs. That's just humans. Humans are trash, and they do it all the time, and it's awful. It's not the fault of this movie. It's the fault of people. People need to understand that when you adopt a dog, that is a family member you are adopting. That is a living, sentient creature that you need to care for. That is effectively your child. That's a whole fucking conversation that I could just scream at the top of my lungs about. But I won't because hopefully y'all understand that. Hopefully y'all understand that, you know, dogs need to be cared for. You know, the poor things. Like, like it's, it's awful. You hear stories about people who work at Pounds just getting dog like getting dogs returned because oh it turns out we don't actually want it it's like no 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 you made a commitment make the commitment you know like they're not just like dogs aren't just these things that you can just grab and then dispose of like you can't do that anyway so this controversy while i understand where they're coming from i also see that it's not a controversy or it's not it's not the movie's fault it's not it's people and people need to learn Anyway, <laughs> that's my little rant about that. Uh, a sequel was released in 2000 called 102 Dalmatians, uh, with Glenn Close returning, of course. So we're going to look at that next week, uh, because why not? I haven't seen this movie in freaking forever. Like, my God, I don't even know if I've actually seen this all the way through now that I think about it. But anyway, so we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Uh, thank you so much for joining me. I hope you all have a wonderful week. Uh, and yeah, I'll talk with you all next time. Bye. <laughs>